What makes a great leader great? How do we create a high-performing team? And when we say leader, we mean everyone, because everyone is leading their own life. Will yours be a life by design or a life by default? Those are the big questions, and this podcast will answer them. Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast, where we help you apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders, because great leaders will produce great results. Welcome to our wonderful Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you may be in the world today. At this special time of year, Thanksgiving, we'd love to express our gratitude and thanksgiving for you. This is Steve Schallenberger, your host for this Becoming Your Best podcast, and we are inspired by the heart-penetrating quote by Margaret Mead, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. This has never been truer today than in any time in the world's history. This change in the world can be a quiet, small, and subtle, good, and set of worthy acts, and the world is never the same again. Those small, quiet, and subtle, good acts can grow to have an impact far beyond what one would have ever imagined possible. An example of that are the simple, quiet, and enduring acts of the pilgrims and pioneers of the world. Often, these were individuals that struggled for survival, one foot in front of the other, wondering if they'd ever even make it. But their thoughtful, committed passion for an idea and cause moved them forward, working to do what seemed right and good. And today, we are the beneficiaries of these amazing actions, simple as they may have been. Recently, I saw a moving account of the early pilgrims who arrived on the Mayflower in the New World on the History Channel, and I'd like to share parts of that account today. It really begins with the background of Thanksgiving by sharing that Thanksgiving Day is now a national holiday, which is well known, in the United States, and it occurs on the fourth Thursday of each November. So where did this tradition come from? And the best we can tell, this is the background. In 1621, almost 400 years ago, getting close to that, the Plymouth colonists and the Wampanoa Indians shared, well, it happened to be an autumn harvest fest that is acknowledged today as perhaps the first Thanksgiving celebration in the colonies. For more than two centuries, Days of Thanksgiving were celebrated by individual colonies and states. And it wasn't really until 1863, in the midst of the Civil War, that President Abraham Lincoln proclaimed a national Thanksgiving Day to be held each November. Well, let's just think about this Thanksgiving at Plymouth. In early 1620, a small ship called the Mayflower left Plymouth, England carrying 102 passengers, an assortment of religious separatists seeking a new home where they could freely practice their faith, and other individuals lured by the promise of prosperity and land ownership in the new world. And after a treacherous 
and very uncomfortable crossing that lasted 66 days, they dropped anchor near the tip of Cape Cod, far north of their intended destination at the mouth of the Hudson River. And one month later, the Mayflower crossed Massachusetts Bay, where the pilgrims, as they are now commonly known, began the work of establishing a village at Plymouth. Did you know what they ate, for example? Let's just put ourselves past there. And and, and by the way, we know what these terrible winters are like on the New England coast. But for example, they ate lobster, seal, and swans. That's what was on the pilgrim's menu. And throughout that first brutal winter, most of the colonists remained on board the ship where they suffered from exposure, scurvy, and outbreaks of contagious diseases. Only half of the Mayflower's original passengers and crew lived to see their first New England spring. It was extraordinary. In March, the remaining settlers moved ashore, where they received an an astonishing visit from an Abenaki Indian who greeted them in English. (laughs) Several days later, he returned with another Native American, Squanto, a member of the Patexic tribe who had been kidnapped by an English sea captain and sold into slavery before escaping to London and then returning to his homeland on an exploratory expedition. Squanto taught the pilgrims, weakened by malnutrition and illness, how to cultivate corn, extract sap from maple leaves, catch fish in the rivers, and avoid poisonous plants. He also helped the settlers forge an alliance with the Wampanoa, a local tribe, which would endure for more than 50 years and tragically remain one of the sole examples of harmony between European colonists and Native Americans. So this Squanto is one example of these quiet, small deeds, thoughtful, committed individuals that change the world. It could be said that if it wasn't for a mentor, someone like that, that perhaps the pilgrims may not have survived. In October 1621, after the pilgrims' first corn harvest proved successful, Governor William Bradford, and I might add, I am a direct descendant, he is my ninth great-grandfather, organized a celebratory feast and invited a group of the fledgling colonies, Native American allies to join them, including the Wampanoa chief, Massasoit, and now remembered as America's first Thanksgiving. Although the pilgrims themselves may not have used the term at the time, clearly the festival lasted (laughs) for three days and was full of thanksgiving. And while no record exists of the historic banquet and what the menu was, the pilgrims historian Edward Winslow wrote in his journal that Governor Bradford sent four men on a fowling mission, hunting the fowl, (laughs) in preparation for the event and that the Wampanoa guest arrived bearing five deer. Historians have suggested that many of the dishes were likely prepared using traditional Native American spices and cooking methods. And because the pilgrims had no oven, and the Mayflower's sugar supply had dwindled by the fall of 1621, the meal did not probably feature pies, cakes, or other desserts, which had become a hallmark of contemporary celebrations. 
It's interesting because the pilgrims held their second Thanksgiving celebration in 1623 to mark the end of a long drought that had threatened the year's harvest and prompted Governor Bradford to call for a religious feast, also a fast preceding that feast. Days of fasting and thanksgiving on an annual or occasional basis became the common practice in other New England settlements as well. And during the American Revolution, the Continental Congress designated one or more days of thanksgiving a year. And in 1789, George Washington issued the first Thanksgiving proclamation by the national government of the United States. And in it, he called upon Americans to express their gratitude for the happy conclusion to the country's war of independence and the successful ratification of the United States Constitution. His successors, John Adams and James Madison, also designated days of thanks during their presidencies. You can imagine how powerful these days of thanksgiving were to contemplate their roots, the struggles that they had come from, and the blessings that they had experienced of prosperity through all these difficulties and setbacks. In 1817, New York became the first of several states to officially adopt an annual Thanksgiving holiday. Each celebrated it on a different day. However, it was interesting, the American South really remained largely unfamiliar with this tradition. And then in 1827, the noted magazine editor and prolific writer Sarah Josepha Hale, an author among countless other things of the nursery rhyme, Mary Had a Little Lamb, <laughs> launched a campaign to establish Thanksgiving as a national holiday. And for 36 years, Sarah published numerous editorials and sent scores of letters to governors, senators, presidents, and other politicians. <laughs> Remember, a thoughtful, committed, small group can change the world. Well, this was the case with Sarah. Abraham Lincoln finally heeded her request in 1863 and at the height of the Civil War in a proclamation entreating all Americans to ask God to commend to his tender care all those who had become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife and to heal the wounds of the nation. He scheduled Thanksgiving for the final Thursday in November. And it was celebrated on that day every year until 1939 when Franklin D. Roosevelt moved the holiday up a week in an attempt to spur retail sales during the Great Depression. Roosevelt's plan, known divisively as Franksgiving, <laughs> was met with passionate opposition. And then in 1941, the president reluctantly signed a bill making Thanksgiving the fourth Thursday in November, where it remains until today. And it's likely that the pilgrims were not the first to begin this tradition, as many throughout the world thought to pause and give thanks. As a matter of fact, historians have recorded other ceremonies of thanks among European settlers in North America that predate the pilgrim celebration. In 1565, for instance, the Spanish explorer Pedro Menendez de Avila invited members of the local Timuacua 
tribe to a dinner in St. Augustine, Florida, after holding a mass to thank God for his crew's safe arrival. And on December 4, 1619, when 38 British settlers reached a site known as Berkeley, a hundred on the banks of Virginia's James River, they read a proclamation designating the day and that date as a day of thanksgiving to Almighty God. Although the American concept of thanksgiving developed in the colonies of New England, its roots actually can be traced back to the other side of the Atlantic. Both the separatists who came over on the Mayflower and the Puritans who arrived soon after brought with them a tradition of providential holidays, days of fasting during difficult or pivotal moments, days of feasting and celebration to thank God in times of plenty. So as an annual celebration of harvest and its bounty, moreover, Thanksgiving falls under a category of festivals that spans cultures, continents, and millennia. In the ancient days, the Egyptians, Greeks, and Romans feasted and paid tribute to their gods after the fall harvest. Thanksgiving also bears a resemblance to the ancient Jewish harvest festival of Sukkot, or Sukkot. Finally, historians have noted that native Indians, Americans, have a rich tradition of commemorating the fall harvest with feasting and merrymaking long before Europeans set foot on their shores. So I'm grateful for those few thoughtful, committed citizens, committed people, committed individuals whose thoughts to pause and give thanks, including my ninth great-grandfather, Governor William Bradford, who continues to inspire me for so many good reasons, continues today. How can you and I give thanks today? How can the spirit of thanksgiving be meaningful in our lives every day. May I suggest three actions we can take that are thoughtful, that are committed, that can change the world, at least your world, at least my world. Here are the three. Number one, always carry a spirit of humble gratitude and thanksgiving. What things are you grateful for? I just thought about this today. Here are a few things I'm grateful for. I know that many of these are things that we share. I'm grateful for my creator and my maker and the blessing that he is in our lives. I'm grateful for air and health and family and friends. Whatever success I've experienced, a warm home, food, and security. I am grateful for my wonderful wife. I'm grateful for the beauty of the earth and for adversity. And I am grateful for you, for the impact you have on my life. We may not even know each other, but I feel this connection. Every morning, how wonderful it is to take a moment to pause and count your blessings. And I count my blessings. Number two, look for good in other people. Granted, <laughs> Good may be harder to find in some people more than others. <laughs> However, look for the good in all people. Be patient. Try to bring out the best in all the people that you encounter. Set a goal to make at least three or to give at least three compliments per day of things that you see that are good in other people. 
And number three, regardless of what happens in your life, say, what a blessing. And then think of a reason why it is so. This attitude will put you in a better place to handle all adversity and situations and to end up in a better place with a better attitude. These three things are so powerful. One, always carry a spirit of humble gratitude and thanksgiving. Number two, look for the good in other people. And number three, regardless of what happens, say what a blessing. And we reflect back upon this historical perspective of how much we truly do have the reason to feel a grand, humble sense of gratitude. And when we do, this enlarges our own soul. It gives us a greater perspective on life. And during this wonderful time of year, may you especially enjoy the spirit of thanksgiving, while at the same time being committed to carry this spirit 365 days a a year throughout life. This then helps us become part of this powerful group of thoughtful, committed, few individuals that changes the world for good. Happy Thanksgiving, now and forever. This is Steve Schallenberger, your host, wishing you a wonderful Becoming Your Best day. Thank you for listening. Would you like help to apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders in your life, in your family, or in your organization? Call us today at 888-690-8764 to speak with a helpful representative to evaluate your situation and how we can help. Or you can visit becomingyourbest.com. Whether it's a corporate training event, keynote, workshop, trainer certification, or personal coaching, it would be our pleasure to serve your needs. Once again, call 888-690-8764 or visit becomingyourbest.com today.